Welcome to Brand Appeal, where we talk about brand storytelling in the digital age. I'm your host, Shannon Peel, and today I talked with two young gentlemen, Danny and Adam, about their tequila brand, Donata. If you are in New York and you have come across Donata, these are the two guys that have brought it to you. Now, listener, if you have a product that you want to take to market and you're trying to figure out how to position it, what you should do, and what it takes to get it off the ground, this is the episode for you. So keep listening. Danny and Alex, thank you so much for joining me here today on Brand Appeal. And I have one question for both of you, and I want you to answer individually. So start with you, Alex. What do you want to be known for? I, I would love to be known for creating a, a great product, you know, in the market that that's honest and made the proper way. I, I would love our consumers to trust Danny and I to, to bring them authentic products with whatever we release. And Danny, what about you? What is it that you would like to be known for? Kind of same what Adam said. I, I think I, we want to be known as as guys who delivered a product that really cares about where it's from. Uh, we, we definitely care about its quality, the impact we're leaving, and, and caring about the consumer first. So just known about guys who are fully transparent and delivering some good stuff. Why tequila? Why did you guys choose tequila to manufacture and bring to the well, marketplace? To be honest, when we're in New Orleans, we, we fell in love with the whole hospitality industry down there and really definitely understanding the quality behind products. And, and like I said, again, the hospitality, we saw a tremendous opportunity to create a tequila you know, that stood for craftsmanship and, and authenticity because there's over 2,000 brands right now in the market space, and there's only 61 confirmed additive free. So we really saw an opportunity to create something that stood for super premium quality, um, additive free while being excessively priced. Yeah, just to, just to add to that too, it's it's really amazing the the perceptions in the market right now. And there's there's so many different SKUs, so many different product offerings. What's really important to Danny and I is is to deliver a fantastic product. We feel that in tequila, there's there's a lot of great products, but there's definitely room for, for more and at a great price point. And that's kind of where Donata comes in. So how are you positioning your tequila? Actually, can you re- share with my listeners the name of your tequila first? It's called Donata Tequila. And it's it's an amazing quality tequila made the proper way, like Danny said, with no additives. Our, our distillers are the Vivanco family, uh, which are, are renowned. Uh, they've been making tequila for five generations. And Donata comes in at a great price point and at the top quality that you could find in the market. Uh, so that's, you know, we're positioned in a way that can fit in, in a cocktail, but can also be, be sipped on the rocks or, or neat. It's really to be enjoyed by all in any way. Now, when you think about a product like tequila in liquor stores, okay, so I, I'm in BC, I'm in Canada, so we have liquor stores. And I realize that where you are, you, you can buy it pretty much anywhere. But when you're thinking about how consumers will choose your product over the next one that's sitting right beside it in the store on the shelf. What are you doing to kind of make your brand stand out just that little bit? Yeah, I think right now there's numerous ways. For us, it's always been like kind of relationship-based and obviously the quality stands for its own. But again, once it's in the bottle, there, there has to be a bit more effort to, for a consumer to come in and say, oh, I'm going to try that. And I, I truly believe having these relationships for us from the get-go um, and doing tastings and getting the, the product out there organically is, has been working charms for us. But 
most importantly, I think the demographic now, millennials and Gen Zs are always open to trying new things. Mm -hmm. And especially I think years ago, people go into the liquor store and just kind of go with their go-to, like, you know, tequila, whiskey, whatever it may be. But now everyone's looking to find something that has a story. Yes. You know, that stands for, you know, stability, that's quality, and that's also affordable. So we definitely hit those uh, checkpoints. And a lot of the relationships that we have, people are saying, you know, try this tequila. It's great. Um, and it's a good price. And it's, it's, the, it's very smooth and has a cool story. So definitely that's been working to our advantage for sure. Did you want to add anything, Adam? Yeah, I mean, Dan, Danny really hit the, the key points there. Uh, I, we're based right now in New York and our products available currently online via Reserve Bar, but in retail locations, it's in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And it's only a little over a year old in the market. So it's really important that Danny and I are, are really supporting our brands and are following through with, with all the liquor stores that we're in and bars and restaurants. We've been really active doing tastings and making sure our consumers have the opportunity to try it because we believe our, our quality is some of the best and the key is getting people to try it. That's, a, that's the hardest part. So you're doing a lot of stuff offline. Are you, what are you doing online in order to get people to want to Google your name, walk into the liquor store and go straight to your bottle? Yeah, I mean, we, we're very active on social media. We, we do a lot of Instagram. We do marketing uh, that way. I'm also on Facebook. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where we're trying to build a loyal, engaged following. Nothing too quick, just, just a, a solid fan base that supports our, our men and using that organic traction to kind of grow the brands that way, discovering new audiences in, in different markets before we actually launch there. But we're also available on Reserve Bar, which sells to, I think, 20, uh, 22 states. Um, they have some amazing marketing tools as well. But we've been able, like Adam said, to use Instagram and, and do kind of like these cool like ads that cater towards like the tequila demographic and people who are looking you know, to try new tequila in different states. So Reserve Bar has been good for us. Well, I love that you're looking for that dedicated fan base, those followers who aren't just following for the sake of following, but are following because they're actually interested in being part of your brand story. I was talking to someone the other day and he gave me a quote from uh, one of the Dragon's Den people out of the UK. And he said that having all of these followers is kind of like being rich in monopoly money. Now, how do you see your followers? Like, are you looking for those ones that just engage, are you looking to have a big following? Are you looking for the right followers or just any followers? Yeah, that, that's a that's a million dollar question. I think right now the, the followers that we have, you know, definitely a handful of family, friends and and people in the industry, people who care about quality and actually, you know, are are are, are down to explore new things. You know, ideally we would love to to cater towards everyone. And you know, it's again like Cosmigos, they the, everybody's drinking that. But for us, We've been really focusing on on getting the trade the trades respect first. Mm -hmm. So a lot of mixologists, a lot of bartenders, people in the industry are loving Donata because you know for us we're doing it the right way. We're shaking hands, we're meeting a lot of people, putting the product and quality first before any kind of not like some fad story. So I think right now we we have a really good foundation of, of followers, and as we kind of grow and get the name out there, we would love to to see more like mass consumers follow Donata, people who maybe used to drink Casamigos, people used to, you know, go for standard tequilas and now come to, towards Donata because they're getting quality and price point. Tequila is one of those, those types of 
spirits that people have gotten drunk on to the point where they can't even the, the smell of it makes their stomach kind of do the thing. Why do you think people overdo tequila? Because tequila is like, oh, us, we're going to do tequila. We're going to have the, we're going to party. We're going to do tequila shots. It has a story and a brand of all of its own over the years that it's developed. Are you able to tap into that brand story? And how are you tapping into that brand story to put your brand into the greater story of tequila? I'm just going to say, like, are you using the, when you're doing your ads and your social media, are you utilizing those, the tequila brand as in, hey, it's for the regular guy and girl who are going, or the regular people who are in a group and they're tequila shot, tequila shot, or are you doing, trying to do something different with the story? Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting point you bring up because there's been a misconception about the new offerings of tequila uh, versus what some people may have bad experiences with in the past. So not all tequila is created the same. And the tequila that people often refer to it when they reference the salt and the lime and getting really drunk is, is typically 50% or more in uh, sugars. It's not 100% agave. Our tequila is not only 100% agave, but it actually goes a step farther and it has no additives and it's made the proper way. So it's more akin to a sipping spirit that you could actually enjoy and, and you know, sit with. And of course, there's people that want to take shots of it, that, that want to do that whole thing. And that's fine. You know, that's with any alcohol, but it's, it's definitely not the same type of thing as people once thought. Uh, and, and I always encourage those people who, who have that misconception about it based on a bad experience to try ours and, and have a, a new first experience because it, it always shocks them. And to add to that, there's what we're trying to do. There's a lot of education, I think, on the back end of how tequila should be made. We're trying to dummy it down for everybody by, you know, saying it's additive free and, you know, come try this, all that. But I think ultimately we're, we're trying to share our romance story mm-hmm. to the, uh, to our demographic. And that's really obviously hard to do um, because, you know, we had the privilege to go down to Mexico and, and meet amazing families and farmers and master distillers to learn about the tequila making process. So when we were down there, we we're like, whoa, I understand what's true tequila compared to what's like a tequila that's made for the masses. Mm-hmm. And so what we're trying to do with Donata is say, look, you don't have to spend so much money to sip a fine tequila. It, it shouldn't be that way. You should be able to try a fantastic tequila at a good price point that's made by fifth generation distiller. And we're trying to convey that on social media platforms and by having great placements at you know top tier mixolo- uh, mixology lounges and, and bars say this product is great. So it's where it's, it's been a fun process, but definitely a bit of an education for sure. Yeah. Cause what you're trying to do is you're trying to change people's attitudes towards a product that has its own brand and create this higher um, level of consumption. Uh, it's not the, it's not the thing that you go to, to get a, a cheap drunk. It's, it's a quality product that's affordable, but it's a quality product that you sip on and you enjoy and savor the flavor and not just do that whole funny sour puss face thing. It's a different story. So are you getting a lot of user generated content where you're giving, where people who are using your product are sharing it online with their friends? Yeah, we definitely are. And especially in recent months. And that, that's what's really cool for us to say. We're, we're getting a lot of organic followers, uh, a lot of people that are, that are really 
trying the brand in, in different ways unrelated to, to us being part of it. And they're, they become excited about it. They become loyal fans of the brand. And I love seeing that content. I, I love when, when Donata's tagged in something on Instagram and we see people enjoying it. And yet, to your point before, I mean, tequila also has a sentiment about having fun and, you know, the, the whole party vibe to it, which is great. And that's a big part of Donata's brand. I think it's, it's a brand that's meant to bring people together. And it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things that we don't shy away from, from any demographics or, or any, anything. It's, it could be in a high-end cocktail bar. It could also be in a, a dive bar or, you know, anything like of that sort. It, it fits in, in all areas. It's, it's just a brand that's an honest brand that's made to be not take it too seriously. I like how you're using the online and offline approach because you were saying that you're going out and you're having tastings and you're creating relationships with mixologists and getting the name out there. Because I usually say that your offline drives your online and your online drives offline results. Is that working for you? I would say it's definitely, we're starting to see it work for us, for, uh, definitely. But I think most importantly, like for us as a brand starting off is we're, we're really trying to, you know, really uh, promote the brand through just being boots on the ground here in New York. We've been, Adam and I, when we first launched, we went door to door, you know, restaurant to restaurant and bar to bar, um, just like really showcasing the brand, doing a lot of tastings. And now that word of mouth has been, has been our best tool of marketing, it's definitely been translating uh, to uh, our e-commerce platform as well. And we, we actually had an amazing opportunity um, this New Year's. Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper were drinking Donata on the ball drop on CNN. And it brought, we had over 7 billion uh, media impressions, which is fantastic. There's moments like that that definitely help uh, your online uh, presence, definitely. Yeah, when those influencers grab onto it and you get that little bit of a in your uptick in your viewership and your brand, which is awesome. Did you see an increase in sales from that? Yeah, we, we, def we definitely did. Um, you know, our, our distribution is, is still regional. We're, we're working hard to, to get the product out in new markets. And we've gotten a lot of, a lot of uh, attention from other markets where consumers want it available. So we're, we're definitely doing our part to, to make sure we have the right distribution partners and can get our product out there so that any future opportunities like that, people have the opportunity to try it. You've launched this new product and you're trying to get into new regions and areas. What are some of the obstacles or frustrations that you found launching a new product and creating a new brand? Yeah, I would say there's numerous obstacles. I think firstly is figuring out kind of how the on and off premise works in each market. You know, New York is a very on-premise market. Everyone City, everyone's out at bars, everyone's going to restaurants, doing tastings, events. And then I would say that translates to the off-premise. Everyone would go to a liquor store and say, oh, I, I had this amazing tequila at a bar, going to go get at my local liquor store. But when you go to, you know, areas more like, you know, New Jersey, um, Texas, places that have more big box stores, that that's a different ballgame. When we look at that, we look at kind of like kind of micro markets within the market to see where we fit in. And for us, I think we really want to showcase our brand the right way, liquid to lips, um, doing a lot of uh, promotions on site. So yeah, it's, it's weighing up those options. Have you guys seen an uptick in events now that we're kind of back? Well, I guess we're back to normal. I mean, even Canada doesn't have any uh, limitations. Are you seeing events being scheduled or are people leery about it, worrying that they're going to lose their deposit if they get too far ahead? 
Yeah, I, I, there's def, definitely a lot of events, and, and I think the morale has improved regarding COVID. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting because we started Denata when, when COVID was was still really really um, devastating, as it still is today. But but it was you know people weren't really leaving their houses as much, and we we were really focused then on off premise. So we we were targeting liquor stores uh, because bars and restaurants unfortunately were closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during that time, we had a, a bartender outreach program where we tried to support the trade. And make relationships and bartenders know we're a new brand but we're here for them and and when the time comes we'll we'll be right there with them and that's kind of proved true you know after now that bars and restaurants are back we've really shifted our business to be mostly on premise and it's worked out for us it's it's the best place to start to get consumers to try the product and in a market like new york you can because like you said people go out and there's a lot of bars that people go to whereas in the suburban world and rural worlds, it's more the big box stores or in Canada, the liquor stores. How different, how many, how different is it when you go into it? Because you've got two different markets, like you were saying, the on-market and the off-market. You got the on-market where you go into the bar and deal with the mixologist, and the off-market where you go into the retail store and deal with that. And you're looking at the mic, the micro markets. Was that kind of a surprise for you that, that it was going to be so different or were you kind of prepared for that? I think when we first launched, like Adam said, during COVID, we were focused and uh, off premise and, you know, we, we had some good placements and our, our initial concern was, you know, no, no one's really heard of the Nada yet, but we focused on getting into accounts that we have relationships with and they were able to get the product out into their community, which gave us a nice buffer uh, when we first launched, having those like base concrete accounts that like just had Donata that supported it through and through. And then when we started to see a breakthrough, you know, the on-premise has been fantastic for us because it allows us to be creative. It allows us to showcase our, our vibe, our the experience that we offer, whether it's through a cocktail, whether it's through sipping it straight, shots, me and Adam being there. Um, and then, like, you know, there's obviously with that, there's a bit more of a challenge, you know, with off-premise. It's getting back to that, getting back to that strategy. And I think we're, we're doing that through doing a lot of tastings, um, helping support those accounts the right way. Definitely, it's sometimes it's like a flip back and forth. Adam, you said that you had started this business during COVID. Why did you take on a product-based idea during a time when the market was, basically shut down for your target audience, you know, that's a big, huge step to take during huge change in the way that we consume products. Unfortunately, you, you can't always control situations like that and, and the timing of things. But Dan and I started the business plan for Denata when we were roommates in college, which was about four years ago. Uh, so it was a long time coming to actually get our product to market. And COVID presented a lot of unforeseen challenges as it did for brands that had already launched uh, mm-hmm. before COVID. So we took a step back and decided, you know, we, we mapped out a strategy to, to really focus our efforts off premise and make sure that we seeded the product correctly so that we could pivot as things improved, but we could still make some traction initially. And fortunately it worked out. You know, I, I think it, it took a lot, it took a lot of diligence on mine and Danny's part to make sure we were following through and, and getting through such a, t- a tough time. But we, we did, and and I think it made us stronger as a brand. Yeah, and I, I think to add to that, during when we launched, you know, people were still at home. They were making cocktails. I mean, everyone definitely 
gain some skill in the mixology realm or, or being a chef or whatever, being uh, locked down. So it, it actually did allow us to, um, you know, for people to try it and make some, you know, good, uh, good drinks at home. And, you know, everyone, unfortunately, uh, and fortunately in the spirits, you know, good time or bad time, people are down to drink and try something. So that definitely, uh, you know, helped out. Yeah, I think the stats say that drinking actually went up during <laughs> the, the, the period of time that we're talking about. Okay, so I'm from Canada, and you guys are from the States. And not only that, I'm from the West Coast, and you guys are way over on the East Coast. Now, two totally different countries, two totally different cultures, and your situation with COVID was dire at the beginning. How long were you guys or your restaurants basically limited to the amount of people that they could have? It, it was... It was a really trying time for, for the trade. I don't know the, the exact length of time, but it was a while and it wasn't always equal for all mm -hmm. restaurants. It, it, a lot of it depended on the outdoor dining that was opened up, at least in the tri-state area, United States. It definitely depended also if restaurants had a takeout business that that kind of boosted things. But if, if it's very reliant on the inside experience of it, that, that proved hard. Um, the, the hardest part was really just trying to find a way to be there for the trade during that time because it was so difficult. And obviously that's the, that's the lifeline of our industry. Well, when did your, your, that industry open up? I would say in term, uh, in, in terms of like, uh, on-premise with restaurants and bars, I, it started, we started to see some places like Adam said, um, open up in the summer of 2020. Some restaurants really succeeded that had the capacity to sit a lot of people outdoors um, some Mexican restaurants were great for us um, that had like amazing outdoor seatings and, and patios and backyards and stuff like that. But I think the, a lot of the accounts that really did, you know, that were struggling to, to fight through were those places that offer incredible cocktails. Um, yeah. that, that experience where you're sitting at a, a bar and you're speaking to the bartender and he's walking you through a, co a specific cocktail. I think those places really you know, struggled to, to get back. And now it's, it's fantastic that, um, you know, everything's somewhat back to normal now and people are having those experiences. There's definitely been an up and down with, you know, Omicron and all the variants coming in and out. But I think thankfully now it, it's, it seems to be uh, leveled off and everyone's back to the way it is to a degree. Yeah, because here in Canada, like yeah, back in 2020, I remember reading a headline saying, actually, maybe it was 2021, saying that, 10,000 restaurants and bars had closed for good across Canada. Wow. And uh, that may not sound like a lot to somebody in the States, but you got to remember, we only have a 10th of your population. Uh, the other thing is, is out here in BC, we just dropped all um, the restrictions for the re restaurant industry a month ago. It's been interesting here um, for these businesses to get through, but it seems like the ones that were, had a good business to begin with are the ones that made it through. And the ones that shut down were the ones that were struggling anyway, which may, I think, make the industry a lot stronger because it ensures that the, you know, strongest survived or whatever. How are you, how much exposure to the industry before COVID did you guys have? Very, I would say very limited. I mean, we, we definitely made some great relationships, with bartenders, 
know other brand owners, suppliers, some distributors. Going down to school in New Orleans, we made some fantastic relationships with uh, folks down there that kind of helped guide us. Mm -hmm. But pre-COVID, I mean, we we just went in with a handful of connections and it, it definitely was a, a fantastic experience, but we were really sensitive to the fact that a lot of people are suffering. Um, there's a lot of people that had to go home not knowing if their bars were going to reopen. And we didn't want to be like another supplier that just was trying to get a quick sale. Mm -hmm. So we approached it more on like the relationship level and say, look, we're here for you. This is our brand. You know, we'd love for you to, you know, try it, just enjoy it, have fun. Um, and then, you know, when everyone's back up on their feet, we can raise a glass together and look forward to the days ahead. And now you'd also it. said that you started your business plan when you were roommates in college. So did you always plan on going into business when you went into university or was that just something that kind of came up while you were there? Yeah, Danny and I actually, we were roommates in college, uh, became friends freshman year in the same, same class first semester. We started a, a clothing line that was called Pine Outfitters. It was an eco-friendly, sustainable clothing line where every product we sold planted a tree. And okay. that was, that was our, our first business together that, you know, we worked together on it. And ever since then, we kind of knew we, we worked really well together. We had a lot of shared ambitions and dreams. And Denata obviously came in our, our junior year, I believe, was when we started the business plan. But we already knew we worked well together. And we both believed together we were capable of of bringing a great product to market. We never looked back from there. Uh, ever, ever since then, we, we were just all in. So there was a benefit to going to university for you. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I think for the relationships, I mean, me and Adam hit it off uh, from day one. I mean, we're, we're, we're big dreamers. And I think we absolutely, you know, cherish our, our job that we have now because it grants us the freedom to, you know, make creative decisions, mm -hmm. whether it's a failure or success. And I think having that leeway is what, what motivates us for sure. It's just the ability to connect with uh, people and, and just hear everybody's story. So it's kind of that kind of core values made us decide, you know, like, let's do this. Like, let, let's do something. We didn't really think about, oh, what if that, what if that, it doesn't matter because what well, you entrepreneurs are, are problem solvers. So there's never like, oh, if you fail, you're done. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, there's, there's, ups and downs with everything. So just got to keep plowing ahead and looking at the glass half full. Entrepreneurial spirit is definitely in both of you. And so going to university as an entrepreneur, was that a benefit or did you think that you would have been better off just starting a business right out of when you started your first business, just going into business and not paying for your education? That's a great question. And I think, I think it depends on the person. I, I feel, you know, I was, a, I was a, a double major in finance and management. I learned a lot of hard skills doing that. I, you know, I know I'm very good at Excel. I, I know how to look at a performa and, and uh, all that stuff, but that's not the type of thing I think an entrepreneur needs. I think you could learn that on your own and also by doing what I think was great for us is, is the social aspect of college and the relationships we made uh, within college. But it's really what you make of it. And, and I think there's some entrepreneurs that probably are better off not going to university and, and going all in on, on what they do and learning the job. But for us, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I, I think Tulane was a great school for us. Uh, we learned a lot and the relationships we made are really strong. Yeah. I, and, I, and 
you know what? All university, such an incredible experience. But I would almost say all like the assignments, like homework, all that stuff is, is fantastic. I would see that more as, as like the like the hobby of school, like understand, like going to a class and under, like, you know, learning, you know, about history, learning about, you know, finance, like that's the fun part. I think the best education in school is actually speaking to your professors, sending thank you emails, speaking to people in person, like that all translates to an entrepreneur now is like the majority of your day is sending emails, thank you notes, you know, learning how to speak to a group of people. Those are the skills that they don't really teach you at school. And I think that for me, that was most valuable um, is definitely that. Well, that's good to know because both of my kids are in university and I'm thinking, oh, I yeah. wish you guys would have figured out what you really wanted to do before, <laughs> before you paid the big bill. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, university is one of those things that people are, are questioning nowadays and whether there is the value considering that they're coming out with such a huge nut to crack with that huge debt and the jobs are there, but they're not well-paying jobs. You live in a very expensive part of the world and you're out there making money for yourselves. Do you ever get stressed that you're, you know, that this is probably not a great idea that you want something more secure or, or is it just in your personalities to fly by the seat of your pants? Yeah, I, I, there's there's times I think it's human nature to, to get stressed and, and to look at the other side and the grass is always green on the other side. But I'm I'm so confident in our brands and, and what we're doing with it that I don't I don't usually look back. And and I and I think time will tell that consumers will will, will gravitate towards Zenata. Um if, if you don't believe as an entrepreneur all in on your business, I, I think it's not gonna work out. You really need to be all in. I also think there's, I'm reading a book called The Four Hour Work Week by Tim mm-hmm. Ferriss. I, I love him. I think he's great, gives good knowledge. It's, you know, to, based off of what he says, there's a lot of people that work towards that end goal, like retiring, making a lot of money, and then living life. I love to enjoy like the ride. And I think this industry and this job has given us some amazing experiences that, you know, fortunately enough, like, like a lot of people don't get to experience, you know, and for, for me, that's, that's the reward is the, is the journey is, is having amazing experiences, meeting cool people. And then of course, like everyone has to stress about money and living in a, an expensive city, but you know, I, I just, just keep plucking along and, and enjoying the ride instead of figuring out the destination. I love that. I love that. Cause that is definitely entrepreneurial attitude, entrepreneurial spirit. And it's great to see in younger people. Do you find though, like when you look at your generation, because you guys what are 30 lower millennial? Uh, yeah, we're um we're 25. You're only 25? Yeah. Wow. My son's 23. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give a little bit of a shove. <laughs> you can start 20, with you. 25, and you are already um have got not only in business, but you've had two businesses. And you're well on your way to creating a brand that will give you a nice start in life. How supportive is your family with the whole idea of going out on your own? Yeah, definitely really, extremely supportive. But I also do believe that whatever you say you're going to do, you have to commit to it. You mm-hmm. have to do it. Um, you know, everyone's always looking for, okay, someone says something, but they never follow through. And there's, I think that never ends for us. Like, I think the first thing is, Okay, if you say you're going to do it, you form the LLC. Okay, you did that. Okay, they're, they're doing it. And then the next thing is, 
you know, figuring out the design and then the bottles come. And every time you hit a small like achievement, it becomes more and more incredible. And like each week, you know, we're very fortunate that our support group of friends and family saying, you guys are, are doing great. You know, you're getting out there. And, and that's amazing because we're just trying to follow our journey and what we said we would do. And, and that's what we've been focused on. So what was the first step when you guys decided, okay, we're going to do tequila. How did you find a product? On the back of every tequila bottle, there is a four-digit code called the Gnome. Mm-hmm. And there you could identify the distillery that it's made. Uh, there's actually a great app I, I would encourage our listeners to, to download. It's called Tequila Matchmaker. And you could type in any brand or any Gnome and find out the distilleries that it's made at and the attributes of that product. So we did a, we did a ton of research before going down to Mexico and, and visiting our distilleries we, we went to see. The distillery we work with, we were always a huge fan of them, and they were always our, our dream uh, to work with them. We, we didn't know if it'd be possible. We didn't know if they would want to work with us or if it's feasible, but we made a great relationship with them. And from that point forward, it's, it's been great, you know, that their quality is some of the best in the market, and they're just a pleasure to work with. I am so impressed because the two of you got a great product. You're, you understand your brand. You know where to position it. You have not only a dream, but you have already started on the process. You are further ahead than most people your age. Do you feel that? Or do you think that you're always behind the eight ball trying to get ahead? I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting because going back to the the last question, I mean, I've, we have a lot of friends that take, you know, take different routes. They take maybe a more supportive route. They go down the finance track, real estate. And a lot of those guys are, are, are making, you know, good money, which is great. At the end of the day, for us, it's, it's uh, you know, having that freedom is, has been a great gift for us. And like, it's, it's easy to like, kind of take a step back and be like, oh, wow, like our, our brand is getting out there. It is getting mentions by celebrities. It's in Zed bars at restaurant. And it's cool to, for people to say, wow, like you guys are here, you guys are crushing it. But we don't see it that, that way. We just see it as kind of like, you know, we're just expanding Donato. We're trying to get it into as many hands as possible. It's just fun to see everyone our age kind of do their own thing. You know, I mean, it's just another track. And for us, it's, we're just a bit more, I think, like ADD or we we're, we're just want to be everywhere. I, I guess to, to add one thing to that, Danny and I, we're both very supportive of our friends. I, I want to see all my friends succeed, but we are also not concerned uh, about anything more than our own race. We're, we're not looking left or right. We're just focused all in on, on moving forwards ourselves and making sure that we're not we're not getting sidetracked and, and we're, you know, we're not in competition with anybody else. We're, we're just doing our own thing. Well, that's awesome because it just takes one step at a time. That's all, that's all you can do is one step at a time. And I just love that you guys have that attitude and that you are focused on your race. Now, where can people find you if they want to know more? We're, we're all around uh, New York um, in liquor stores, restaurants, focused in New York City, Westchester. We're tapping into Connecticut, New Jersey. But I would suggest the best way for a consumer or somebody who just wants to try Donata is to go into our website. And right there, there's a map locator to show all the accounts that we're in from liquor stores to restaurants to bars. So they could, uh, someone could see where's the nearest place for them to try Donata. Yeah, Wonderful. Is, uh, is our website. So check it out. Well, I want to thank you guys for dropping by and I really appreciate it. I think you're going to do amazing things. Thank you very, very much, Shannon. Well, listener, I hope that you learned something new today and you found something interesting in my conversation with Alex and Danny about their brand, Donata, and how they sourced it. 
how, what they're doing to get it out there into the market and going all in in order to succeed. Uh, to be young and looking at your life again and going all in and struggling to take getting something off the ground. Wait a minute, I'm doing that now. And I'm double their age. <laughs> yes, we can do it at any time in your life. So what's holding you back from going after your dream and committing to it 100%. Listener, if you like today's episode and you think that there's somebody in your life who would benefit from listening to it, perhaps a young person who's trying to figure out what they are going to do with their life, I would encourage you to share this episode with them and to jump into marketappeal.com, go into the community and give me some feedback about this episode and other episodes that you have listened to. Let me know what you like, what you would like more of, and if there's anyone that you would like me to reach out to and have on the show. Until next time, peel out. <laughs>